If Maury supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there goes. The blubbity blah. Sending out good vibes. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. Like we're not, we're not able to call out like unequivocally, this is a fact or not. And now we've got this introducing it to just make more problems for us. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We're going to be chatting with uh, Jack Rysider a little bit later from the podcast Darknet Diaries. It's a fun show. He's uh, what I would call like a darknet journalist. It's a fun show. We had a great time. It was the last show we did before Christmas. Uh, and it's the first show we're doing. Uh, well, we're not fully set up yet, but we're closer to fully set up than we were on Saturday. That's for fucking sure. And it's our regular time, so we're hoping there won't be any heavy equipment running. We're excited. We got some shit on the walls. We got Brody back. Everything's good. And of course, we got everyone's favorite fucking interviewer, Graham. I'm kicking up a storm down here, Dunlop. Hey, buddy. So we tripled the space, and you're still feeling claustrophobic. Yeah, because you got the table up against the wall, and I can't get out of my seat without hitting the wall. And I'm just—I just wanted a little bit of extra space. Like this you know, production I've been stuck value. in an eight by eight, you know, <laughs> Faraday cage for four years now. <clears throat> and now we're not. Anyways, this uh, this episode, I do regret not talking about uh, more about. I feel like we missed uh, opportunity to talk more about the deeper dark web. You know, we talked about his stuff and a, and a few of his shows. I mean, he's got some amazing podcasts. Like, I was uh, listening to a few of them, and it's it's incredible. Lots of information, like real putting together. You know, real crime stories of the internet, of the dark web. Is your voice fucked or? No, it's just a bit, <clears throat> I'm not feeling really too good. I don't want to admit it. Okay. Well, so you got to speak up <clears throat> or I can turn you out. It's fine. Okay. You know, you'll, you'll power through. There yeah, I'll go. power through. You get on there. Yeah, okay. you got to eat that motherfucker like a dick. All right. So, <sighs> sorry. It's a hate crime? Did I hate it's crime? Microaggression. Oh, yeah, it is a microaggression. It's a macroaggression. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got, buddy? I want to play, make, make sure the jingle board's working. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know. I got to okay, well, do you want to start off with something a little crazy? It might be a little little hard to read. I don't know if you can follow along or not, but it's, uh, and it's, and it's uh, the Gematria extension to the Theismann-Smith broken leg synchronicity. Nice. I, I, I was looking it up for some people the other day, and I couldn't believe the other stuff that we didn't even get in that first synchro, which was just basic, like the basic, uh, the basic dates and the basic facts of the, of the two injuries. Do you want to get into that right We're away? Doing do that wanna... again? So that would be what the synchro jingle, I suppose. Sure. All right. Uh, let's do this one. Canadian third party synchronicity. 
city raiding authority. I don't even know if this is a synchro. It's kind of a deeper one. It's almost like a, a digital universe type thing, like proving that. I don't know if it's meaningful to anybody. You know, a synchro is supposed to be like a meaningful coincidence. Should I uh, should I just relay the the the, the basic uh, synchro again? You want to rerun us through the broken leg synchro? Sure. So history repeats by the numbers. So Washington Redskins quarterback Alex Smith broke his leg on the forty yard line in a home game on November eighteenth. Exactly 33 years to the day after Redskins quarterback Joe Theismann broke his own leg on the 40-yard line in, an, in a home game on November 18th. So same yard line, same date. And not only was Theismann in attendance for Smith's injury, but both games in question also finished with the exact same score, 23-21. I mean, that's, that's fucking incredible. Both QBs had the right leg snapped. By the oh, this I mean I I'm glad I'm reading this again because it's oh it's, boy, they had the right right leg snapped by the only two three-time defensive player of the year winners in NFL history, Lawrence Taylor and JJ Watt. I mean, when I read it again and I think about that, into the mic, that's crazy. Both men went on went who go by abbreviated nicknames LT and JJ, and that's not even taking into account the occult numerology that you just know is going to be deep encoded. So while there are a lot of Gematria decoders out there that assume the NFL, along with other pro sports, are completely scripted and staged events, a perfect orchestration of final scores, yardage, and even fake injuries, here we find some gruesome footage of both Theismann and Smith's injuries. Pretty hard to fake that without some next-level movie magic. So how do we explain it? Smith and Theismann... Broke their thighs, man. Nothing. No reaction out of you. Just like, are you even paying attention? Is it just because it's thighsman? I'm just. It's just a little fucking okay. joke. In there. I thought, Not yeah, even I thought, like it's yeah. just in fucking. I thought that right was now. the fucking. I he's thought thinking that was about the... how he broke two TVs <laughs> in the move, and he's looking up at the wall. It's like we need another TV now in the other room. <clears throat> Gematria, not Gamatria. Did I, I said Dramatria. <sighs> Fractal time in a holographic universe, maybe. Or something even crazier. Life is a wheel and history repeats by the numbers. Another spin around the dial and nearly identical situation occurs like the ritual assassinations of Lincoln and JFK. So that's the one we went into last time as well. And he, so here we have the Dramatria numbers. Smith equals 33. Theismann equals 33. Joe Theismann won his only Super Bowl at the age of 33, a span of 33 months before his injury. Smith was hit by Watt, 1330, born 133. And Theismann by Taylor, born with 330 days remaining in the year. The upcoming Super Bowl... What is L? L3? L11? What is L? I don't know. Anyways, uh, hmm. I don't know what that is in Roman numerals. Is it oh, a, L? Yeah. Hey, Siri, what's a Roman numeral L? Hey, Siri, you fuck. What's a Roman Darren, numeral why do you L? Even have that thing in here? I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> hey, Siri, what's a Roman numeral L? 
I found something on the web about what's the Roman numeral. I'll check it out. You have to ask, uh, you have to respond. Yeah, no, oh, that's as far you? as it goes. They should just give we you the first a, sentence. We could have used a Google one if I wouldn't have killed it. L is 50. That's what I was going to say, 53. Okay, so. No, 50 per L. Yeah, that's L1, L-I-I-I. I. Yeah. So 53. 53. Yeah. So the upcoming Super Bowl 53 equals 33 slash 330. In Atlanta equals 33. At the stadium named Mercedes, Mercedes-Benz, 133. 33, the 33rd prime. Okay, so this is this is where it gets a little bit deeper. But already, I mean, that's pretty crazy. All the names, everything equaling 33. It's got to be a simulation. So, I mean, people can say, oh, you can look for all these things, but this is the main components of the thing, right? It's not like you're scrambling for secondary words. So 33rd prime number is 137. Theismann plus six equals one three seven zero. The Super Bowl equals one three seven zero. Alexander Douglas Smith—that's his full name. Eleven thirty-seven. Smith one thirty-seven. How can Smith be thirty-three and one thirty-seven? I think there might be a mistake in there. Lawrence Taylor equals one thirty-seven. NFL. How do these equal? It's gematria, right? When you count, oh. the, count the letters and they equal the numbers. Do you remember we had... Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Now I see. Yeah. Marty Leeds on, explaining like all these Marty Leeds, huge, the earth is huge flat. names. Like, uh, you know, enlightenment is a real sacred number. And Jesus and sacred. Sacred is sacred. <laughs> What's Graham? I can't remember. Fucking sacred. <laughs> NFL it. equals 137. Washington Redskins. How can all those equal 137? We need a gematria chart. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I got I to gotta fact check your shit okay. here. Okay, Washington Redskins equals... Didn't they go over that already? So it's definitely not the letter isn't which number it is in the alphabet because there's no three letters in the alphabet that could equal 137 then. Yeah, one, third level, third letter, three... And, uh, oh, it could be one three seven because it goes one two three four five six seven eight nine zero nine eight seven six five four three two one, and then oh, it repeats on it the goes? bottom. So right? We need a chart. Washington Redskins equals one thirty one. Smith equals one thirty one. So how is he doing? So I'm not sure how they're doing this. This now is fucking crazy. Because Smith was thirty three before. <laughs> now it's one thirty one. Theismann equals one thirty one. Super Bowl equals one thirty one. Championship equals one thirty one. <laughs> Alex Smith equals 666 Alex Smith equals 966 I don't know how to do that Where did you find this? <laughs> what website are you on? <laughs> Smith and Theismann equals 696 Lawrence Taylor equals 696 Graham equals they- 127 Fucking iPhone equals 137 Okay, wait. Crystal just wait, equals just wait, 137. Just wait. <laughs> just wait. This could be a total put on. I don't think it is, though. <laughs> the day before Smith's broken leg, Feisman was 69 years old, 69 days old, or 69 years, nine weeks, and six days old. Thoughts back to the 696 again. Feisman's injury was 69 days or nine weeks, six days before the 1986 Super Bowl. The Bears over Patriots in the Superdome in New Orleans. How interesting is it that the other 69 stadium, days is nine weeks and six days? The other, yeah. 
Wait, that can't be right. 69 days. It's not, it's nine weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be. Oh, yeah, because, but how is, how can nine weeks and six days be fucking 69? (laughs) Oh, yeah, and 10 weeks is 70. Yeah. Yeah. So both, so that's the other stadium named Mercedes-Benz. Does that equal 131? No. This looks like another clue for the Saints as we'll dig into deeper in the insider. Okay, so now Alex 66, Smith 66, JJ 66, Watt 66. The age difference between Smith and Theismann at the time of their injuries was 606, and Smith was born 66 weeks after Theismann won his only Super Bowl. Atlanta 606. Lawrence Taylor 166. NFL 66 with the first Super Bowl ending the 66 season. History repeats. 661. <laughs> You're just saying gibberish at this point. Let me see that. <laughs> Look. See? <laughs> this is all pretty interesting, but the next 34-43, hang on, hang on. No, Darren's, Darren's stealing my... Oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Perhaps the 01 binary code. So this is where it gets really crazy. <laughs> this is where it gets really crazy. <laughs> I'll link to it in the show notes. <laughs> Read some more. Read the next part. Because now it looks like Washington Redskins equals 4,000 and something. Yeah, I don't know. They've got the, they've got the code here. So W16A66. Like, I don't know how they're, I don't know how the math is working on that, but apparently... <laughs> In the calculation. It all works out at the bottom. So Washington Redskins, 43-43, November 18th, 3-43. Leaves 43 days remaining. Feisman was born 34 years, 34 weeks, and three days before the birth of Smith and 34-34 days before the birth of Taylor. And his leg was broken at the age of 434 months. Smith was born on... 34 and broke his leg at age 34. NFL equals 34. NFL equals 137. <laughs> and 66. <laughs> and uh, anyway, what does Grimerica equal? There's a couple people pitter pattering in the chats. Tell us what Grimerica equals. Let's move on. Okay. What else you got? You know what? Let's fucking get into some of this. It's been a while. You have stuff? Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to. We don't do it in a while like that. I have time. Subscribe to the Grime America newsletter. Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to raise. Okay, so turn down for a sec. I'm going back a ways. Before you get into the modern social media, I'm going to read 1998 social media from Darren's annual (laughs) that I found was we're moving books books into the studio. We call them yearbooks. We call them annuals. Okay. And the first thing I pick up is like, so there's a bunch of people here telling Darren to be good to Amanda. So I don't know. If that was, was my some, girlfriend in I know, there was some risk of like you not being good, but this is a favorite one. Don't fucking think I don't know because I do. 
You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know. I know you know. See you when you get back from Turkey. Don't forget to get me something nice. Remember, I fucking know. That's love your man, Hickey or Mickey. Oh, Chris. Do you remember that? Yeah. I don't remember that, no. Did you go to Turkey? That was just big plans. No, I never, <laughs> I've never been to Turkey. How about this? I think this is one of your teachers. Darren, your loud, boisterous ways have become common. Lucky me. Ha ha. Keep the faith, Mrs. B. Ms. B. Oh, yeah, that's my art teacher. Yeah, a lot of people here are saying, be good to Amanda. <laughs> that's not end well. I kind of figured. Okay, so should we go to the YouTube? Oh, what, what, was your, uh, what was your mascot there? It's like a baby ram. It's, uh, shit, what were we? Yeah, we were the, we were the Red Lake Rams. That's cool. right. Yeah. Uh, uh, the only the Wallabies. The only team I ever made was volleyball. Really? I was on the volleyball team. Actually, yeah, no, that's true. I was, I was a skip of the curling team. Oh yeah. And I played volleyball for grade nine. Curling's and we really had this big like. I was a skip motherfucker. We had the big like pep rally, and we were all supposed to go up and spike the volleyball, and I just fucking totally duffed it into the net. Really? Yeah, it was yeah, terrible. Yeah. That's, that's nice. That'd probably be one of my embarrassing moments if I ever have to answer this. Mine was in budget. the school gym too. <laughs> Did I tell you about that? Funny how that works out, eh? Did we talk about that embarrassing one? No. Playing European handball and at lunch, and there's a bunch of people in the bleachers watching and all that, and everybody's laughing, and I didn't know why. I thought it was like I made some great play or whatever, and then I sit down on the bleacher after, and I look down, there's a huge gaping rip in my rugby pants. Like, my whole crotch was ripped out, so everybody was just watching me run around with no crotch in my pants. America. You're not even fucking paying attention to me again. Yeah, I've heard My that. Most I've heard that story oh, already. That? Yeah, yeah, several times actually. Now that you now that you mentioned it, I've heard it several times. Once, maybe twice, <clears throat> maybe once on the podcast and once off. Anyway, yeah, it's, I couldn't play any sports. I was. Oh, I'm a fairly, calculator. I'm fairly athletic, but um, I smoked cigarettes all through high school, and you weren't allowed to play sports if you smoked cigarettes. What? Yeah. You weren't allowed on the sports team. And they had, like, people spying. No way. Spying on the smoking pit to see who was smoking. And then it was fucked up because the other teams would come to town, and people would come right off of their team buses and go start smoking cigarettes. But our our school policy was no. So I didn't play any sports throughout all high school. You chose smoking over sports. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I wanted to be cool. My wife, uh, Lisa, she was quite athletic, too. She made all the sports teams. She didn't smoke cigarettes, so she was on all of them. Not I. It wouldn't have me. I went and did like two two days of dry land training, and then the coach called me in. He's like, "What do you do?" I know you smoke. Are you quitting? <laughs> no, come on, really? yeah, don't smoke him. That's it. And you know it's because maybe if you get but you into, guys mustn't have been competitive. I mean, these other guys. I bet you some of those smokers were pretty good athletes back then. Yeah, yeah, we weren't very competitive when I was in school. Didn't seem like it um, because I mean there was a, definitely a bunch of good hockey players that couldn't play because they smoke you know it's high school you know tons of people are experimenting with smoking at that time yeah that's a shame because the thing is you could get into the sports and then you quit smoking because of it true because yeah. you find they're holding you back in some way or you, you mind know? you this was back when nhl players were smoking between periods i mean yeah this this is true right or at least not maybe not in 98 but wasn't too long before that when 
Ally Afraidy, I think, or who's a couple, there's a couple other guys that would just hack along right between the, between periods. Ally Afraidy was, uh, is that my fake news there on that one? No, he had, no, I remember that. And he had like the fastest fucking slap shot. Oh yeah, he was awesome. Whereas I'm just looking for, there was a great post the other day. Here we go. This is a good one. What life altering things should every human ideally get to experience at least once in their lives? We got lots. We got mushrooms, death, and life in that order. From Debbie Jane's being with and caring for the dying. Uh, From Blake, coming very close to death, not necessarily NDE, but more like seeing your life flash before your eyes and surviving. The more it happens, the better. This is also a prevalent philosophy in Bushido, the way of the samurai, ultimately with the goal of ridding ourselves of any fear of death and moreover, to welcome it and recognize it as the pinnacle moment in our lives. That is how the samurai believe they reached enlightenment. And also having something happen to you that changes. You have a deep and yearning desire to help serve and love one's fellow man and psilocybin. James Peters, psilocybin. Psilocybin comes up a lot. Eric Sturgill, Enthian gins of some sort in a non-party setting. Tila Tida, unconditional love. So many ways to experience this. Sorry, but what is it all about otherwise? In my case, the hardest was feeling this for myself, yet wouldn't mean a damn thing without love from others. From Joseph, seeing Graham's calves in person. Cyrus replied, you have no idea what you're asking for. (laughs) (laughs) The loss of everything you thought to be true and permanent, then working to get it back better than ever. That was Cyrus. Uh, From Colin, traveling the world, and if you can, by letting the company you work for pay for it. (laughs) Wes Clark, childbirth. Cooper, DMT. Ant, Melville. One of the most important things is when people have that so-called wake-up experience, but then to experience the point where they realize the alternative can be equally as convoluted. This is the point that free thinking turns into deep apperception. I'm not 100% that's a percent sure that's a word, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, from Billy, a good old-fashioned ass-whooping to help humble even the most ego-driven. Nice. Uh, should I go to the Where YouTube? was that all from? That's Twitter, all from Twitter, Facebook. Facebook, yeah. <clears throat> Here, I'll roll into the YouTubes just for a second. Let's see what's purple. Oh, boy, over the troll there. room. Into the, the troll, troll room. Troll, uh, troll haven. We got... No. Oh, here we go, from Bradley Knight. Talk about synchros. Oh, I, that's weird. I was just going to read email, his show today. Really? I emailed you guys last night about my out-of-body experience, and it involved weed. I'm from southwestern Ontario between Sarnia and London. Great talk. I myself quit smoking at Christmas, but I think weed is a spirit helper and treat it with more respect now. Can you forward me on those emails? These aren't emails. Yeah, he said he sent you a couple emails. on. Oh, you didn't get those? Oh, okay. So if anybody has, like, sightings or experiences just send them to graham at grahamerica.com and you'll get a reply and probably get it read on the show pew pew and you can tell us where you found the show as well that's always helpful i will uh i'll get i'll get out i'll get we'll bake it so the emails go to you okay eventually not your whole box no you can't 
you know what, you can handle that. Uh, on at 270, uh, Joseph P. Farrell, I couldn't help but picture this dude as a cool museum dude, as the cool museum dude from Pawn Stars. Like the point of Japan is an extra variable to keep China on their toes. Uh, some UFO sightings. Oh, this was a good one. It's the UN. This was on the Olaf Phillips when we started talking about the parks, national parks. Yep. It's the UN. They're the ones taking people. Look up national heritage sites. They're the ones who run the planet's national parks. And that gets into that whole UNESCO thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of fucked up. Uh, what else? Should I, I love this show. I hate your intro. ITM. Thanks, Kosh. Good morning. In the morning, you cocksucker. Uh, he won't hear that. Uh, here, I'll do one more from Bang Chief. This is on Kyle Chevel Day Off episode. What if it's not a person having a past life, but instead vessels that are in tune enough, knowingly or not, that past persons are hoping to use to settle things with people or situations still in the present? All is now. The I've had past lives idea seems a little selfish, you know, like the stereotypical Western me, me, me mindset. We can be the completion in trade for some self-progression. Just got to stop thinking about self all the time. Anyways, I love you. Salute. I'm still the creator. Brag about creations on Instagram. That's creations with a Z. And he pops in at the same time. I know 100% that these are vessels. Amazingly incredible, underestimated biomechanical vessels. We're truly lucky. Salutations. I'll wrap it up there. All righty. <clears throat> you want me to segue into some, uh, an email about supporting the show? I feel like my nose is bleeding. No, you're, oh, yeah, no, you're okay. You're okay. For now. I'll let you know. Do we have a support jingle? We, I got to redo the jingle board here one day soon. Remember when you used to buy DVDs what for $20 a piece? What the fuck is this? Now that very same DVD is somewhere in a landfill next to a rotten piece of cheese. You <laughs> <laughs> can tell us, Felix. Thanks, Felix. Thanks, Felix. That's a way to support the show to send us your blood. Donate to Grand America. It'll feel real good. Donate to Grand America. All will be right with the world. All right. Let's have it. This is an older email. I was saving it up. Hello, my favorite Canadians. I just signed up for a monthly so that I can get access to this sweet, sweet black budget show. I was triggered into donating by the incredible whiny douchebag who berated Darren for being a mainstream sellout a few weeks ago on a Charlie Robinson episode. The guy started off by complimenting you profusely for being the best podcast ever then said he's going to stop listening because God forbid you try break even on the incredible amount of time and money you spend on the show. I mean, you don't do ads. The show is free, but Darren is a sellout mainstream corporate establishment asshole. Give me a break. Then the guy tries to say he can't buy a 50 cent stamp and put a dollar in bill in it because it's so broke. That's a dollar 50 cents. The guy can watch your show on YouTube on his MacBook air, but he can't find a buck 50 in his couch. Everyone listening, this guy is the problem. Who sends nasty-ass email like that to a couple guys he quote-unquote admires? Then berates them for trying to put out a process in place that will keep the show on the air. This is true. 
<clears throat> Couldn't do without you guys. Join me in subscribing to an anti-whiny pussy-ass donation of three thirty-three a month to the America Show. Then send an email to Darren and Graham, berating this moron, so that it can be read aloud. <laughs> Graham is probably too nice to go along with us, but we can count on Darren. So make sure you CC him on the email. Lastly, I listen for the intros, guys. Who cares about the thought-provoking interviews with experts? We want Darren and Graham. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. The interviews are great. But in all seriousness, the intros are the true Canadian radio gold. If you're ever in the People's Republic of California, stop by. Good vibes. So, yeah, we couldn't do it without the sport. And these intros are just ways where we connect all the listeners together and little community here. And uh, we read their stories and synchros and all that stuff. And you can always skip ahead to the fucking interview if you want. That's right. There's always a timestamp. And you can always just skip ahead because I put a little chapter mark. If your pod player supports that, I don't know if the Apple one does. And I know that most of you listen there. You shouldn't listen there. You should listen on Overcast or fucking something else. And you get the artwork. Just saying. But we really couldn't do this without you No, guys. We, we need support. We got this uh, new fucking space to pay for. We got... <laughs> You know, I broke the TVs, I guess, when I was moving. I cracked both of our projecting TVs, the one that shows the guest face and the one that shows the slideshows or the links that we like to watch. Those are both broken. So now we need to get a couple new TVs or we need some local Americans. maybe. We prefer around a 32-inch with an HDMI input that can be hung on a wall. We could use a couple more because I just actually noticed those were broken about 20 minutes before showtime today, so that sucks. But other than that, I mean, we, we started out this whole podcast not knowing that it could ever get to, to what it did, but we started talking to interesting guests, having great conversations, and it was somehow resonating with people. We wanted to have good audio, and we wanted to do a, a, a decent you know, production value because we liked you know, those types of podcasts ourselves, and then... You know, we ended up getting support from people that continue on and we can have these great conversations without ads, without portals. So we don't have to really worry about what we say. That's right. It's escalated into something great. You know, that's uh, one thing, you know, we do need more supporters. I mean, we, we make just enough money here to pay for the, with the new space and stuff, we're, we're probably, you know, back to the fully stretched budget again. And you know, we weren't planning on getting to here, but we're super happy to be here. It opens up a bunch of possibilities. It gets us out of a, a garage and into a space we can be proud to invite people into and have people visit. And we can maybe get into doing some other stuff from here and helping other people out, helping other people get shows going. We're looking at getting into helping maybe produce some people and get some other shows going. We're going to get some ex a bunch of extra content loaded into the black budget right away. Yeah. Which is getting um, really good. Which is, you know, there's going to be start being five, six episodes a month in the black budget. Easy. with the We've got different content, people hopping on board. And, uh, you know, we couldn't do any of this without you. And we don't want to stop growing. I mean, we'll be honest, we could be doing more shows. The sky is the limit. I mean, right now we're, we're you know, breaking even. Graham and I still work full time, all that stuff. But, you know, it'd, it'd be great to just keep growing and get to the point where we can... You know, maybe do more of what we're doing now. Yep. And we can't do that without, uh, you know, a bunch more supporters. We can only do so many shows when we got to work full time. We're right? trying to get to 1%. You know, some guys, they're getting 5% support. This is like the overall listenership and, and the amount of people that interact or support. I was on the PayPal last night. There's like uh, 70 suspended payments and 170 canceled. Over overall, yeah, 
which is about half of what we've got. Yeah. So it's just interesting. So that's the other thing. You got to check your PayPal subscriptions from time to time because um, I get, uh, you know, a few emails a week from people canceling their subscriptions. And uh, I usually send an email out, but I didn't start doing that until a few months ago. So anything that happened before, I just assumed it was people canceling. And then when I started sending the email out saying thanks for all the support, blah, 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 everyone will you know, nine out of 10 people were applying saying, what are you talking about? I didn't cancel anything. Yeah. That's scary. That's, I don't know, man. So that's, check your subscriptions. Like I said, it seems too weird to be a glitch. It's you know? just cause I was on there last night and the percentage of canceled to, I mean, maybe we're that shitty, but the percentage of canceled to, to active subscriptions just surprised me how high it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of those people did switch to Stripe. Some of them did switch to Patreon. Yeah. Um, wherever you want to support us, uh, if you just support us, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Chris, then, and then Chris, any support. Chris Jezernick just sent us uh, another five dollars super chat. Awesome, thank Thanks, you, sir. Man. And and any support at all gets you like access to the black budget. So just email us. Darren will send you links. Is that how it's still working? Which yes. is just a bunch of get, extra content. Yeah. And you get access to the forums and all that as well too. Now it's totally different content. It's not like just an intro and an interview. It's more like we're reading some essays and some interesting stuff that, you know, people want to hear about, but they don't really want to read themselves. And we've got some other, John Briston's got a great show in there called, uh, we read the documents or something like that. Yeah. There's another one coming out. Uh, um, a news roundup show is going to be coming in there right away from a couple other guys and, Darren's yeah. got to finish off his... Uh, I still got half of uh, the Unabomber Manifesto. and I've got a half of that essay on uh, conspiracies from... Uh, and then Jason has sent me, like, I've got fucking, like, 10 essays. There's so much content It's now. insane. There's just, there's I'm so going to come here one Saturday and we can, you know, this, so that's why you got to get on the black budget now. I mean, honestly, now's the time. 2019's big year, we're hoping. Sign up, please. Support us. It's going to be a longer spiel. First show of the year. Yep. Please support the show. I mean, we still got Brody here pro bono. Need some support, please. Now, the block budget feed. Great. You get that. What else you got? CAC. CAC. Contact at the cabin. <laughs> so one of our favorite guests. I'm have been on the show on like four or, five, four or five times. I mean. Yeah, I need to get him to come back on in February. Blows, blows us away. Randall Carlson, look him up. Listen to the show. He's going to join us for 10 days in Colorado at this big log cabin. Or a big log mansion, really. Kind of have like a little, little uh, contact at the cabin, a meetup. We'll do some, you know, some sky watching, some traveling. Just uh, shoot the shit with a bunch of cool people. It's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we gotta. Here's the thing. This is gonna get opened up here in the next like two weeks or week even to um, all of Randall's community. And then after that, uh, it's gonna, I'm going to go on, we're going to go on, Grandel's going to go on a couple other shows and talk about it. So, you know, within the next two, three weeks, this thing's probably going to blow up. And if you're on the fence and haven't got it, it's going to get to be too late pretty quick. I mean, I, we're down to about 50 spots left, which isn't a lot when you think about it. I think Randall's got about 50,000 followers on his Sacred Geometry International site. And uh, they're going to jump all over this, and they don't know about this yet. The only people who know about this are the Gramerica people. Um, so it's Gramerica Contact at the Cabin. It's at Elk Lake Lodge in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Of course, we got Legal Weed. Ground will be there. I'll be there. Um, Randall Carlson will be there. Staying at the house with you. A couple bedrooms over. There's campsites. There's uh, bunk rooms. There's private bedrooms. Um, 
you know, a tent, it starts at 500 bucks for a tent that gives you full, that's your lodging included. That's transportation to and from, that's all of your breakfast and all your lunches. So that all you got to do is feed, get there and feed yourself supper and we'll do the rest. It's only a couple hours. You could probably have some leftover lunch for supper if you're hurting. It's only a couple hours from four corners too. Oh yeah. All sorts. I mean, I want to take off down to the desert at some point down in New Mexico. Well, I don't know about that. It's only five hours. Five hours. I might actually fly out the second time. I think I'm going to fly out of Albuquerque. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, and I'll fucking leave in the morning and drive down. That's a good idea. Buy some meth and head home. (laughs) Why'd you say that? Isn't that where like breaking bads from? Oh, I don't know. The meth making? I don't know. So did you say the email address on the website? Yeah, the email address is... So this is CAC2019 at hdtravel.me, or you can just go to hdtravel.me and check out the site, and there's some links there. But honestly, you guys better get on this, or you're going to be sorry you missed it. And I mean, if we don't sell it the first one, then we can't do the second one with Matheson or any of that stuff. So buy some fucking tickets, support the show. It's a new year. Get it done. Okay, on to funner stuff. What else you got? You have vocals, dude. We're not done yet. I found more. Down and Graham, going deep. It's a profound UFO quote. Still calling them profound? They are profound. Just the volume of them is profound. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. This flying saucer situation is not at all imaginary or seeing too much in some natural phenomena. Something is really flying around. I was Air Force Base Intelligent Report flying discs July July 30th, 1947. 47? Yeah. What day? July 30th. What day was Roswell? July 8th or something like that, or that weekend, like the long weekend, July 4th or 8th or something. Interesting. I'll do another one. Who get, oh, someone's in the chat's asking who gets their name on the wall. Who gets their name on the wall? Supporters. The first no Adam's on it. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, this back one? here is gonna be replaced with underneath. No, no, under, I mean, we'll do another underneath wall. the banner will be the names of the supporters. Okay. All right. Unless you put it on like a different wall and don't uh, Maybe on that wall. I don't know, we'll see. We'll see. <clears throat> but you're gonna be immortalized in American history. I mean, geez. Who does that? We'll build our wall. The American wall will get built. <laughs> I'll do one more. Okay. Since this is in, this Don't is Don't point in, at me. I'm not. I'm pointing up. This is in the celebration to project, project Blue Book, which is coming out on, uh, on TV. I've seen that. Apparently, it's not quite an accurate representation of Hynek's life, but we'll see what the UFO community says. It's still pretty cool that it's out there. This is the most puzzling case in the radar visual files. The apparently rational, intelligent behavior of the UFO suggests a mechanical device of unknown origin as the most probable explanation. Air Force Project Blue Book, Special Report Number 14, May 5th, 1955. Another one? No, I think that's... That's a small one. And then we're... I bet you small one. And then, you know... That's pretty quick. I'm quick. When the team was about 10 miles from the landing site, static disrupted radio contact with them. 
five to eight minutes later, the glow diminished and the UFO took off. Another witness was visually sighted. Another, sorry, another UFO was visually sighted and confirmed by radar. That's a classified report from Air Force Strike Team at Minot Air Force Base in 1966. Nice one. We drove through there before the podcast started. Was that on our way to yeah. Paradise Symposium? Yeah. Remember when, we were, when I told you to get gas and you didn't get gas and yeah, the other scary. gas station yeah. was closed? You had to turn around and drive back an hour. Yeah, we almost fucking didn't we make it. We almost ended up on the side of the road in the middle of the night. I can't believe we didn't run out of gas. At least we didn't have cell service. Isn't it nice? Sometimes? I remember one time I almost ran out of fucking gas in like the bush in fucking northern Ontario taking a shortcut down a road I shouldn't have been on. I was just like, and I got like halfway down the road where I was too far to turn back. And I'm just like, this was a fucking terrible idea. Yeah. Did you run out? No. I ran out of gas. I like I made it through the fucking area with no cell service. And this is back when my cell phone had a little antenna that popped up and everything. And I had no cell service. And it's the middle of the fucking night. It's one in the morning, two in the morning. Are you high? On weed. <laughs> um, so I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to make it. I'm like talking to my car. I'm like, come on, girl, you could do it. And I'm like, I pop out of fucking, and I'm like, it's like shut off. I'm supposed to be out of gas. Like my thing says 85 kilometers left or something before it just goes to boom, yeah, low yeah, fuel. Yeah. And I've driven like 110 kilometers past this. And I'm just like, fuck. And then boom, I pop out and I'm in a little town outside, outside Wawa. Ontario and uh, I see across the street there's a service road but I gotta like turn left and go up the highway a bit and then turn right and then I'm get onto the service road so I got like onto the highway and off of the highway I think you told us this one fucking ran out, in, yeah, ran out of gas I ran out of gas like 300 feet from the pump wow and I had to just push it like across the parking lot gas stations closed no way so I just like push it up oh, to yeah, the pump to sleep there and I slept in my it? car and his yeah. buddy knocked on the window yeah it's like fill it up and I drove the rest of the way. You know what? And then later that day I filled up and dried in Ontario for 33 cents a liter, 32.9. Wow. Yeah. When was that? This would have been around 2000. Annual? This would have been about three years after the annual, yeah. two or three years after the annual. Loud and boisterous Darren driving around on his own. Still loud and boisterous. He's a podcast so I could be louder and more boisterous. <laughs> That's it. What else you got? That's it, dude. Just wrap this shit up. Yeah. Jump into the chat with Jax. Great chat. Great podcast. Check it out. Uh, remember, support the show, grimeamerica.ca slash support. And also just remember to just be a American and be nice to everyone. Smile at a stranger. Be nice. Don't be a prick. Love is the answer. Love is the answer. Comes with the territory. All right, guys. Thanks for everything. Uh, first real show from the fucking... Uh, Grimeamerica Studios. Grimeamerica Studios. Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> The first interview we did was 13 questions. I don't know. We'll come up with a name. Someone suggested unaffiliated media studios. <laughs> Maybe headquarters. Anyway, enjoy the chat with Jax. Great chat. And uh, yeah, enjoy.
right, we've got Jack Resider with us here tonight. He's the host of The Darknet Diaries, which is a podcast covering true stories from the dark side of the internet. This is, it's a crazy podcast. Stories about hackers, defenders, threats, malware, botnets, breaches, and privacy. He's, uh, he's from a security background working in an operations center. And uh, yeah, it's uh, a fascinating podcast and it's good to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's well, it's a it's a great show and well produced. And man, there is some interesting stories in there. We should probably dig into a few of them for sure. Like super fascinating. I mean, we we both love the research and how deep you got you get with uh, with some of these stories. So, Darren, I don't know where yeah, you, you want to start. Way, you put in way more work than we do for sure. <laughs> I commend you for that. I was actually the first episode I listened to. I just was the Apple Podcast one. And uh, I just couldn't believe how I just, you know, it started getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you're talk, calling up people in fucking Bangladesh. And it just, um, you know, how did how did that all, like, was that your plan from the get-go? How did, how did that sort of model come together? Yeah, so in that episode, I, uh, there, I, I was finding out some people were gaming the charts on Apple Podcasts. And I wanted to get to the bottom of it. Who's, who's gaming it? How are they gaming it? What's the story behind there? Somebody's hacking something here, and I just wanted to figure it out. So I ended up, uh, you know, finding some of these people who are doing it and calling them on the phone and kind of interviewing them for the show. Um, yeah, it didn't start out like that. It just kind of started out with uh, uh, understanding the tactic so that I could know, you know, as a podcaster myself, what what it takes to climb the charts, just mm-hmm. so I know, you know, what to aim for. And then as I just started learning more, I just thought, you know what? Nobody's covering this. Why don't I, why don't I turn this into a show and, and cover it? And sure enough, it just kept me, it, I just kept going deeper and deeper. And it's one of those things where I thought people were messing with me at some point just because of what I was looking for, I was actually finding. And like, that's just the things that I came across was insane. Yeah, that's, that's right. Cause it's such an ambiguous thing. Nobody seems to know how the iTunes algorithms work and how people, you know, how people get up there and you just dug right into it and you got to the bottom of it and, and you learned a lot about other stuff along the way. You know, you talked about the New York times bestseller stuff and, and yeah, that was a good, that was a really good episode. I mean, did you, do you always, uh, you've been, you've been deep on a lot of them. And so did you plan on doing that? Like when you started the dark neck diaries, like being able to dig so deep into a lot of these things? Um, so that was the first time I ever did any investigative journalism stuff, like trying to trying to uncover news that nobody's uncovered before. Right. Uh, all the other episodes have just really been covering something that's been well documented in the news or somebody's personal story, and they're telling me that. So this was new to me. But this, when I listen to podcasts myself, I think investigative journalism stuff ones are like some of my favorites. Yeah. Because you feel like you're along you're long on the ride with the person who's doing the show. So I've always wanted to do that. I just didn't think I'd ever actually get into it because at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of ruffling some feathers too. I'm, I'm bringing to, to light stuff that people don't want to, you know, to be brought to light and stuff. So this to, to me was kind of a, an easy way to try that, to see if I could uncover this without like really causing any people a lot of stress. Cause it turned out to be a bunch of people in Bangladesh who were doing this. And it just seems like they're just doing it for a quick buck. I don't think there's like a big uh, mastermind operative behind the whole thing anymore. I just think it, it's just kind of going on there. So yeah, it was kind of like, it seemed like somebody smartly figured out by playing around with it, like how to maximize the, um, the response to the algorithm, you know, in a, in a daily or a weekly kind of um, 
thing and, and you do, and you found so it just seemed like he spread spread it to other people kind of some people started working on it and charging for it on fiverr like it didn't seem like it was too big of a conspiracy but it, it got and you know it uh, a lot of people started using it yeah they sure did um and and so i think to break it down what i learned was it 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 just takes number of new subscribers a day to climb the ranks in apple podcast itunes yeah and after publishing this, I had a bunch of other people tell me how they either work, they, yeah, a bunch of people tell me they actually work on gaming other charts. So people have been paid to game the Amazon charts for best-selling items or the Steam charts for best-selling games. And, um, you know, the I, I, other Android apps charts, um, uh, the, was it the... Uh, li, li, some travel sites you know for like, like travelocity or something yeah those kind of things yelp it's all gameable and so this is kind of what i tried to do is put this you know bug in some people's ears like hey stop trusting all these charts that that we kind of rely on to make our purchases a lot of them are, are, are hackable <laughs> it's it's uh and that's sort of the premise of the podcast is, is hacking i suppose right if you had to pick sort of your central premise it's sort of hacking different sort of systems, whether they be the iTunes store or the IRS or the gaming network or PBX or. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, that's my background. I was a security engineer trying to keep my clients safe from, uh, from hackers basically for uh, 10 years. And, you know, some of the times in those situations was just such high drama where I was like, Holy cow. Like, president is going to address this on tonight's news, like that kind of level of high drama. So I'm like, this is so intense. And all that, you know, all these years I've just been like, I can't believe I work in this kind of thing where it be, it, you know, it's become so political and, and it becomes like a weapon of, uh, you know, cyber weapons and all these things. So I, I just think it's perfect for, for great storytelling on, on a radio show. And yeah, each one of them is some sort of either I interview the hacker or the person who's been hacked, or I cover some high level hack that's been in the news. Which is your favorite so far? Well, before we get into that, I want to get into a little bit more about, before we get into each episode, or not each one, but a couple of my favorites, um, what what is your feeling? Because listening to, listening to this and realizing how gameable a lot of this stuff is, especially charts and stuff that people follow, it, it's, in a way, it's enlightening, but in a way, it's kind of disappointing, too. It's like we're living in this world where there's so much on the computer and there's so much that we see and, and so much of the information is manipulated. Like, do you ever get a sense of not dread or doom, but do you know what I mean? Like how does, what, when you've investigating this and you're coming up with all this, how does it make you feel? Yeah. I think, I think for my sake, I can protect myself for what I need. Um, I think there's some things I have no control over. Like when we had the Equifax breach, like, uh, well, I didn't really give you guys my information and here you go. You lost it on me. I don't even know what to do about this. Like, so there's some stuff you just can't even avoid, even if you take all the precautions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a lot of my listeners do hit this level of dread and 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 fear, and just like they shut off their their cameras on their uh, you know their laptops and 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 kind of go in that corner of the room where it has no Wi-Fi and just kind of <laughs> you know decompress there for a while because it, it is scary to see how vulnerable we are on uh, on these systems. And I think um, some I'm, I'm think I'm hearing a lot of people like really getting concerned about this. So I'm thinking about uh, kind of helping out, helping out in that way and making some sort of like I don't know cheat sheet or something on on how to protect yourself. Because I think what 
you should do is is not really be worry about being faster than the bear, but being faster than your friend who's also running from the bear. Um, you know, these hackers will will take the easy easy targets. And if you're a little bit harder to get into than than the neighbor, then they're going to skip you and go to the neighbor. You know, a lot of times it's it's low, I don't know, low quality hackers just trying to do as big of a of a hack they can and not really focusing on you particularly but yeah that's just, a, that's a good point that's a good point for me it was more about like if if somebody like a higher level hacker wants to get you they can just get you like there's no fucking protection like that's what that's what makes me feel like like it's yeah, not about I, getting gained by a low level like uh, you know a hack job it's like if somebody wants to do something to you they they is most low-level hacking like bots and shit these days? Is it like algorithmic or how does like that work? Uh, yeah, there's um, there's places you might go. Um, just off the top of my head, like an app you might download in the in the you know the phone's app app store or a website you might visit frequently might get infected with something. And now you know you've got a hundred thousand people who went there or downloaded that thing. And now you've, you know, you've possibly infected that many people. So um, that's kind of like a watering hole attack. Things you go to, things you need, things you want to, to access get infected and then you can get infected. Um, yeah, I think the two big um, just safety precautions there is to de- never reuse passwords. I use a different password on every website you go to and everything you use and always keep your, your software up to date. Because I think the the latest stuff is going to cover the latest patches, and wow, going to want to uh, you know use high technology, you know high high tech stuff to to hack you if you don't really if you're not like head of state or somebody important to hack into. They'll just go on to the next person. So don't leave. Well, I'm glad don't I leave all your passwords. passwords. In, don't leave all your passwords in in a word document named passwords like the principal in oh. one of your stories. Yeah, that did happen in. <laughs> Uh, that was definitely a lesson learned for the principal on that one. <laughs> I had a couple people bitch at me for having all the same passwords. Like, so now they're all different, especially like across all the Grimerica like infrastructure. They were all just the same one. <laughs> just like, oh my god, well, you no, idiot! You didn't fucking, tell me any of these new. Ones you don't now. need to know them. Oh my no. god! Well, I don't know. I can't just tell you them. It's it's so th- so. It's going to be like we're going to get a letter in the mail that has the encryption key, and that's when we'll get the final passwords. I like it. See, see, Jack likes it. <laughs> the harder, the better. Yeah. Again, you know, I, I hadn't even thought about stuff like that, but you know, it makes, seems to make more and more sense as they've tricked us into carrying these surveillance fucking devices around all over the place. Do you carry a smartphone and stuff like that? Or do you like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Are uh, you like, cause I, I well, could go either way. Are you like all in on the tech? Like, or as a security engineer, I could see how it could go either way, right? You might be scared of everything and off the grid like Adam Curry does phone. it with a flip phone, or you could just be like all in tech guy, whatever comes out, you know, let's check it out. Yeah, I mean I, I, I try to um I, I try to to not download stuff I don't know or, or you know recognize. So I'll keep it to a minimum uh, you know level of apps and um use two factor authentication wherever I can. Yeah. I've got all that. Interesting. Do you think uh, is, so here's one I get all the time is, is what, what do you think is more secure Apple or Android? Uh, For the phones? Yeah. I think, I think the phones that are made by the, by the, so Apple makes the iPhone or, and Google makes the Android, 
right? So if you can buy phones made by these guys, I think you're probably safer than say a Samsung, which is not making Android. They have to license Android. And so now they have to rely on Google to um, update, give them an update, and then they can push it down to you. So updates to like a Samsung phone are going to be much slower than uh, updates to uh, you know a Pixel, a Google Pixel. So um, getting it directly from the vendor, I think, is going to be the top choice. Um, but historically, the iPhone has been a little bit more secure. Yeah. And there you have it. So, okay, let's get into it now. What's uh, obviously you're a huge fan of hacking the shows. We've already had a couple people say in the chats because we, I mentioned a couple weeks ago or a week ago in the, in our little chat room, that our perpetual discord chat that we we're going to have you on. And I've had three or four people tell me already that they've gone to check out the show and just immediately hooked. Um, so it's, you know, it's not, obviously it's not just Graham and I that are into that storytelling style. So we're just, you know, what's your what's your favorite episode? Like you, the first one was, was the PDX or whatever one. Is that sort of what got you started or did you have the idea for the podcast ahead of time? Um, and I mean, then what, so what's I've your been favorite going to these one? conferences and, and I hear people share these kind of stories at the bar at the hacker conferences. And I'm like, <laughs> how come nobody's like sharing these publicly? Why do I have to be drunk at a bar to hear this? It's so amazing. And so I thought, let's see if I can, you know, tap on enough shoulders and get someone to start talking. And it took a while before people did start talking. Um, but I think my favorite one was uh, a, a one where I interviewed a nation state actor. And I believe, I, I didn't get ex explicit, but I believe he's, uh, he's from the NSA. And uh, he didn't want me to use his real name or voice or anything. So I had to use a voice actor on that one. But when I was, when I was talking to them, oh my gosh, like, like the, the the excitement of of making a show where I'm hearing like a like a a screwed up incident that the NSA did on on a hack that they were doing one day like I just got so excited like off the wall like oh my gosh I can't believe this person's sharing this with me even even though I can't use her name and everything it's just such a juicy great story and I loved it and and that feeling of of just having someone open up to you and tell you something so, so personal. I don't know if I'll ever be able to outdo that. Cause that was just unbelievable. Can you give us sort Which of a, can you give us sort of a rundown? Yeah. Of the Yeah. So that was episode 10. And um, basically the, uh, the NSA was trying to get some information out of a uh, foreign government agency. I think it was like, a, I don't know, a ministry of something in another government. And um, the, 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 they, they got in, they scouted out the whole thing, they figured out what attack they were going to plan, and then they put their, together a virus to get in there, and they, they put the virus on it, but the machine got updated. Um, and so the virus shouldn't have worked, but it still got installed, and it caused the machine to crash a lot. And this person, they were, they were able to watch it because they were in that machine in this foreign embassy, right? So they're able to watch this person's machine like as if they're on it. And this person was just troubleshooting and troubleshooting and Googling all the, you know, the problems and trying to figure out what's wrong with their machine. Why does it keep crashing and all this stuff? And they brought it to like help desk and tech support. And they're watching like every email and they're watching what tech support's doing. And they're just like, I hope they don't discover this undiscovered virus. Because if they find out that we have hacked their system, this is a real big problem. Like this is going to go right up to the president. Like we're going to have a situation rooms, you know, thing on our hands. And so um, they eventually, the, the embassy just reinstalled the whole operating system, which will, you know, save the day, I suppose. But 
it, it was one of those really intense situations for like a week where they were just like, what is going to happen here? We just watch and pray because you, you don't want to mess up anything more at this point. You don't want to try to undo it because you might crash it more and all these things. So it was, it was just really crazy. And those, those kind of, that story just blew my mind. Like you get off the phone call with them and you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just got this story. And it was like my first big scoop kind of thing. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, one of my favorites was the bayonet. Um, oh, it would, it would be one of your oh, favorites. And, and, you know, Silk Road, the, the, the guy in the Silk Road in the new one, Alpha, what's it, what was it called again? Alpha Bay. Yeah. Alpha Bay. And the, and the takedown of that, I mean, and you went through all the details and all the little things and how the German, German cops and the Dutch, I think it was the Dutch and the Germans got together and cooperated on it with maybe the FBI involved as well to take down the guy. And, oh man, yeah, it was not awesome. Just, not just um, Alpha Bay, but they also took down uh, Hansa. So two different dark markets that are only on, on tour, you know, um, these are, these are selling drug, the drug marketplaces. And, um, they, uh, the FBI, you know, it's war on drugs. I mean, it's, UN has a war on drugs. So the whole, the whole world's government agencies are like trying to crack down on this. And so they collaborated, like six different governments collaborated to take down these, these places. And we're able to in together, take down two different dark markets at once. And yeah, the story is just so, so illuminating. And you, you think, oh, okay, I heard about Silk Road. That's cool. But this was kind of like, you know, what happened after Silk Road, you didn't even hear that much. And I think this one is just as exciting of a story. That's what I was wondering. And I mean, you heard, uh, I mean, the the takedown was even since Trump's been in office. And of course, you wouldn't hear about it uh, with him in office. It's just some, some yeah. you know, some good news that wouldn't be shared amongst <laughs> the mainstream networks for sure. But um, what, what made me think about what's going on here with that story, and, and I might be wrong on this, but... Uh, the way you described the guy that they took down from Alpha Bay, I mean, he didn't seem like your your average criminal. Criminal, like he didn't even seem like he was the type that you know. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I want to say he's not a criminal, but but um, and that other hacker guy in the in the high school, like some of these guys don't seem like like they they got caught, they got busted for these crimes, but I feel like it's um, you know, these guys getting involved that aren't really inherently bad guys you know they're just getting involved in all this stuff and they kind of get sucked in is that something you're seeing as a trend <laughs> yeah. in a way i think one of the uh kind of the hidden points of the show I, I i try to tap into all the time is to bust stereotypes of who a hacker is yeah and like you were saying there's this kid in high school that got caught hacking well he was he did his entire hack from a a, a tablet in his third period class in school, right? Yeah. It's not with a hoodie. It's not in a basement. It's not at a com super computer. It's on the school's Wi-Fi in a tablet during class. And so like, if you think about a hacker, that's how I want you to think now is like the kids in the class or the person behind you in the, in the, in the, you know, the airport or, or at a, at a coffee shop. Like these are, these are all locations of where a hack could take place anywhere and by anyone, like people who don't look like it. And that, that the, yeah, all these people just don't look like it. They don't, you would never expect it. And, and I don't know, that one was really weird because I don't, his wife seemed like such a nice person and I'm guess I'm reading into the story. You know, I don't know, you know, I never saw any interviews with her or anything, but it, I don't even know if she believed or, you know, knew yeah. what she believed yeah. that this guy was actually one of the kingpins of the big <laughs> dark market out exactly. there. Exactly. Like, he just looked like a nice woman. But I feel like he stumbled across a real good opportunity, you know, and he's like, oh, I can't let this slide. And then all of a sudden 
Alpha Bay. He's like 10 times bigger than the Silk Road and he's got all this money and he's living in the, across yeah. the world. And you know, it's just, Oh, they're great stories. And I mean, that kid, he just gets, the kid gets sucked into he's, you know, he's hacked his way in and then, and then you really did a good job at, at showing like, or actually he was being interviewed. He was talking about it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he had these guys on themselves. I mean, he's, expressing like his reluctance to go further, but you know, he's just getting sucked in. He's a, can't help it. Right. You're in, you're in the fucking principal's computer, you know, and you're in his Twitter account. And do you stop? You know? <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh. fuck the school, fuck the principal. I mean, like on the Twitter account, it's ridiculous. I mean, I just wish he would have got a little more creative instead of just saying, fuck this, fuck that. He could have kind of, I don't know. Well, just think bit. of the power that that wields in today's world. Like when we were down at the Peterson event the other night, maybe remember Ruben made the comment because he had the computer. He had Peterson's computer and he, he had to pull the questions up from it. He's like, oh, he's logged into Twitter. And it's just like, you know, like taking control of a, someone, someone who's uh, a public figure, a public figure's Twitter account for a couple minutes can put fucking things into a tailspin fast, man. Like you, I mean, just go throw some hate speech on there yeah. and holy fuck, just yeah. watch it all come crumbling down. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, we're really in a fragile world sometimes. Are there any examples of social media hacking like that backfiring? Cause you don't see a lot of it. The only was, time I see was, is like my account got hacked. It's usually from somebody not famous. I don't remember the exact details, but there was one politician that um, had like a blog post from years and years ago and it was, a, it was a little racist. And um, some people were pulling this up saying, oh, how terrible is this, you know, to have such like racist blog posts and stuff. And she was like, oh, I did not write that. I got hacked. Somebody hacked my blog and they put that on there. And that was the story. And that's what everyone bought. Like, okay, you didn't do it. Fair enough. And then like a few months later, somebody actually pulled up like proof that she did write it that many years ago because she like commented on it somewhere else. And she did not get hacked. She did write it, but she was just using the hack as like an excuse to like, whoops, I am (laughs) screwed up, but I'll try to erase it by just saying I didn't do it. Well, what's what's your feeling about that? People going back now that we do have a profile, it's decades long sometimes now on the internet and people are going back and finding all this shit on people. I mean, where does this lead us as a society? Like, I, I feel like nothing will be secret or sacred eventually everything will just be will just be all open books yeah it's weird you know growing up without like somebody videotaping you beating up that kid you know you, you just say yeah yeah i didn't actually beat him up or something now it's like everyone films you beating up a kid <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Shit, i didn't realize uh, oh man that's <laughs> that's the nightly news now and it's so easy yeah it's it's weird having our lives documented in a whole new way and i'm still getting used to it i think um something I'm going to start doing is just deleting like all my old social media posts, like anything over 30 days old, just delete it. Cause why do I need like Twitter tweets from like six years ago out there? I don't. So I don't want, is there any, want, especially, sort of thing especially that, as hate speech gets redefined. Oh it. yeah, that's it. Oh yeah. You said midget. Fucking that's it. String them up. Upside. I I think are you, are you calling me a name? No, but that's a big one here right now because they're just, they're, re- oh, they're, they're re- renaming all the midget hockey leagues. We have a hockey league a league division to division called midget. So that's, that's from coast to coast. (laughs) So sorry to interrupt you there. Um, Do you think 
there's a real threat, like after looking into all this and being in security and, and do you realize like, is this really, I mean, this is sort of the new war zone. I mean, is the threats must be fairly real from foreign actors everywhere. I mean, how, how bad is it? It's, it's just as bad as you can imagine. Um, I think the, the, gov- the, the U S government has never claimed to do like an attack, cyber attack. They never admitted to any of them. Um, and, and there's proof that they have. So um, this is this is kind of weird that they don't. We don't even talk like the government doesn't even talk about what its capabilities are. You can talk about oh yeah, we we have these bunker busters and these nuclear weapons, but we're not going to tell you what cyber oh, weapons yeah. we have. Yeah. And um, you know, one of the tricky situations was was because then you can't hack elections and blame it on Russia. Yeah. Uh, uh, the um, there was like a chemical um, chemical weapons. Uh, treaty that took like 20 years to get written. It took forever. Like nobody could agree on what a chemical weapon is or when you should use chemical weapons and all these things. It was a really sticky situation. But eventually, you know, you know, leaders started talking about what what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And I think it's going to take, I mean, we're in this first generation of, of kind of computers still. And it takes like a f- the first generation abuses the crap out of it. Like, like when how alcohol- fucked up is it? Sorry to interrupt, but how fucked up is it that the first generation gets deep fake and stuff like that? <laughs> like, where does that end up? And you know, that's scary. That's really scary. I don't think we're ready for that at all. Like it's going to, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Like we're not, we're not able to call out like unequivocally, this is a fact or not. And now we've got this introducing it to just make more problems for us. I just um, thought about that because I never thought about that. We are still in the first generation of computers and stuff. And now we can make fake videos with people. We can make Nicolas Cage in every movie. I, I was thinking like when, when you introduce like alcohol to a society, the first generation abuses the crap out of it and it gets banned. And it's like, no, we, you guys don't get this anymore. And then we have to like learn and pass it on from, you know, down generation, generation to say, okay, look, this is how to properly use alcohol we're going to bring it back we're going to we're going to but we're going to remember you know not to get so crazy with it and i think that, you know some stuff is it's it's going to get crazy uh with the internet where it's we're going to I don't, i'm guessing that more stuff's going to get shut down uh you know because they're going to say oh because child porn is on the internet we're not going to allow you to get outside the us on the internet or something like that and there's going to be more and more regulations on there before we all kind of just say hey we're, we can't we can't allow you guys to have these walls over between nations on the internet. The internet needs to be worldwide, and it's gonna it's gonna grow and shrink a few times before we finally learn how to use it responsibly. I think it, it's gonna take a while. Yeah, hmm. but I feel like it's I feel like if if it goes to a certain point, it won't be able to snap back or bounce back to some reasonable point because you know there's so much disinformation and so much. Uh, and like Darren was mentioning, these things can be fake now. And when do we get to the point where just you, you, you can't believe anything anymore? I mean, I think just, we're there. And, and we're, we're basically, I get the feeling that we're basically, we talk about this, you know, simulation, digital um, universe kind of thing. But in some ways, our, percep- our perceptions are created by, by these things that I don't think can go backwards anymore. Like, I think once we go to a point where, Reading too much Unabomber manifesto. Don't you, don't you think though? Don't you think it's going to get to a point where it can't come back? Like it will just be in a dystopian world of you believe or you have to believe everything that you see online or you, or you can't believe anything that you see online. Like, you know what? In some that. days that might be better 
because think about this way, like, and I could be wrong. What if I think maybe a couple hundred years ago and, you know, news still traveled by telegram and, you know, it might've been rougher living, but for some reason I still think it might've been maybe like a slightly happier time because you're less stressed out. You've got more meaning and purpose maybe than you're pulling out today. And so then you get into this slowly thing where this, you know, and I think, I don't know, Jack might disagree, but we've, it's come pretty apparent that all of our news agencies and shit are just propaganda networks. I mean, there's no reason to think that hasn't been the same for a long, long time. So maybe it getting to the point that nothing is real anymore is almost, uto- uh, you know, closer to a utopian because you, maybe it gets to the point where people are like, I mean, a bunch of people are canceling their cable at an unprecedented rate. And maybe that has something to do with it. And if it does, then maybe it is some sort of weird good byproduct of the oversaturation of fakeness. Hmm. If that makes sense. There's a lot of opinions out there. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> when, uh, when, when you have like uh, people and in, in, in lead, lead, leaders of the country taking uh, bribes to get certain bills passed as well, it just adds to the to the lies and the and all the stuff out there. And so, I don't know, like having a lot of research out there that is politically motivated or being paid to do the research to find specific stuff. Um, you know, you know, here's some money. Can you please find this particular thing? And yeah, you'll be able to find that particular thing with you know enough research. But it may not be true. But you could find you know evidence of it slightly. You know, maybe one percent of it is out there that's that way and so that becomes like the entire research project and that's i think that's uh you know needs to be addressed somehow um you know politicians don't need to be taking so many bribes and uh some of this research needs to be fact checked by independent bodies or something i'm not exactly sure but there's definitely a war on on facts right now yeah war on consciousness too you know it's funny how how many times the problem comes down to fucking money because like you know both those things you just said those are both money and uh and the solution is usually love yeah interesting um because that's just it right there's too much money in science the the science is bought and paid for by whoever has the most money and the same with the politics and it's just out in the open now it's called lobbying we just came up with a name for bribing politicians I wonder what the actual definition of a lobbyist is. Have you ever hacked anything? Yeah, my first hack was uh, SimCity, the first video game, or the first version of it. And uh, I, I hacked into the save game file to give myself like a billion Sim dollars or whatever. And then I could play however I wanted. Oh, that's awesome. That, was like that the, is awesome. That was the game that I left video games from, the last one I played, I think. Was yeah. it Sims? Yeah, SimCity. No, SimCity. So did you just come up with that? How did, How does that, like, how does, can you give us a, because I've, I've got no fucking skill at hacking. I'm, I'm pretty handy with the computer. I can figure things out. And sometimes it's, it looks like it was hacked and slashed together, but that's about as close as I get to hacking. So like, how does that, how does that even thought process even come about? Did you find out about it someplace or did you just come up with it on your own? I think, no, I came up with it on my own, but I, I think hacking in my mind is just kind of a loose uh, interpretation of when when something doesn't work, you figure out a way to make it do what it's not supposed to do. And so you've probably like turned, I don't know, something into something else. And, I turned a corn on the cob holder into a dabber the other day. Yeah, you could even turn it into a knife. You hacked oh, it. 
shivers, shivers something. And this, but that's the whole point of it, right? It's like you think that you think, okay, this is what I have to work with. These are the tools I have to work with. How can I get the thing I need to make? Or, you know, how, what what can I do to these tools to get something I actually need or something? And so, um, I mean, back then it was I was in high school or something, and I was just opening up the save game file and and trying to read what was uh, what was in there and just changing some of the data, change a one to a zero and a nine to a three and then open it up in the game and see what was different. And sure <laughs> enough, I was changing like the name of the town and other stuff. And it was just, it was really throwing darts in the, in the dark. And uh, eventually I hit the right number. That was, to, was the value of the money. And Hey, look at that. What's number two. What the second hack. Yeah. Oh, Cause th- that's funny because it rem- when you tell a story, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, you always hear the Jobs and Wozniak story where the first thing was that stupid tone thing that they play on the payphone and they could get. I remember when I was a kid, you know, it's funny is when I was a kid, I was, this would have been the 80s. And this is probably like when Jobs had just made in this thing. And there was this urban legend in fucking Red Lake, Ontario, that you could get free long distance somehow. And I remember like we would sit at the, but we thought it was a tapping thing. So you'd sit at the payphone and we thought if you like tap the button a number of times, like one, three, or five, six, seven. And try and do that to them and it didn't work. But I wonder if that was like a, a ripple from the actual, actual Yeah, you're story. on the right path, definitely. That's, that's, that's how a lot of these hacks work is, is you just kind of brute force all these different things that maybe the person who made that phone never thought somebody would do. And, and that ends up creating some sort of bug or something in the code and ends up making a call. That's very possible, you know? Um, after, after that, what my dad kind of taught me was social engineering. And this is where you um, kind of hack the, the human mind. And so we, I don't, I don't know why, but he was always like trying to sneak me into Disneyland, sneak me into the baseball game, sneak me into a play, you know, some movie theater or something. And it's like, he taught me this. And so before I knew it, I was sneaking into everything that I could sneak into um, specifically like Disneyland and, and water parks and theme parks and, uh, football games, anything that costs, I was sneaking into them all. I don't know if that's considered a hack, but that's, oh yeah, uh, sure, sure. My sister does that. Really I snuck well. into the stampede. My sister once always and got just gets into things. Oh yeah, we got promptly arrested. <laughs> really? <laughs> they just took us outside of the grounds, and it was so elaborate too. We like climbed over the Roundup building. They're doing construction on one time of it, so there's some scaffold there. We climbed up onto the roof, jumped over. We jumped down onto the lower roof. And there were some cops on the one side, so went to the other side, jumped into a tree, and climbed down the tree. And you got caught. When we got to the bottom <laughs> of the tree, the cops were just there waiting for us. <laughs> it's too bad. So have you, have you, uh, do you, what about Mr. Robot? And have you watched that? And for somebody that's not very computer literate like me, it sure seems fairly, fairly uh, interesting and accurate. Like if you were, if, you, if I was watching it as, you know, as a hacker. Heck yeah, man. That's, that's one of my favorite shows that, um, the people who make that are the, like there's consultants and even producers are, are very much, I mean, even Sam Esmail was very much into security, um, before making the show. And Sam, the director was, uh, was very adamant about every hack we do. It needs to be as realistic as possible. And so he, he hires consultants to say, here's what the plot is of the story. How do we make a hack connect these two plot points? How do we get him to get the keys to this or, or, or to get this thing? And so the consultants will come up with historical hacks that have probably been in the news 
that may have get them in there. So like they hack into the uh, data center by using a Raspberry Pi on a, um, I don't know, the, the thermometer, the thermostat. Yeah, yeah. And this was something similar to what happened at Target. I think uh, Target hack was similar. There was a, a hack through the ter- thermostat system. So they were, they're, they're always using this kind of realistic hacks to, to make the plot go on. And I, I love that about the show. It's really, uh, it's really realistic in the way that the hacking takes place there. Cool. That's good to know. I thought, I mean, I thought it was, I felt like it was watching it, but I, you know, I don't know if it's really just sci-fi or not, but yeah. It's I forgot great. about, yeah, I forgot about Mr. Robot actually. Yeah. Yeah. Another one that's pretty uh, accurate. I feel like is um, Silicon Valley. There's like a, a security guy in there and he, he seems to be talking like when he starts talking the language, I'm like, wow, that's legit right there. <laughs> He's really? Huh. Talking about, yeah, different DDoS attacks and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you, that, well, you would need to consider all that stuff. I'm so out of touch. I actually just came out of my no TV slump and started because I heard Planet Earth or Blue Planet 2 was on Netflix. So I've been watching that. I've been waiting for Blue Planet 2 for like 10 years. So um, how about podcasting? Why podcasting? Um how long did you want to be? Yeah, well, we're podcasters, so we always get excited to talk about podcasting. So, yeah, did you? When did you decide did you want to do a podcast? Did you listen to one that made you decide? I get. I mean, I've been listening to like This American Life for ten years or so, and there's been so many times where I'm just in the car, you know, at that driveway moment, like waiting to for the story to finish, so I get out and go do my shopping or whatever. And I just, you know, I really realized like how gripping some of those stories were, and I'm like wait, there's so much drama in security. Why can't I just do This American Life for inf- for InfoSec, for hacking stories? And I, I reached out to a bunch of podcasters telling them about this idea, but none of them really wanted to take it, take them up, take me up on it. Um, so I, I just didn't think it would ever come around, but I got sick of waiting for it. And I said, I want to scratch my own itch. I'm making it for myself. And holy hell, it's been like the hardest thing I've ever worked on. Is I, I, I love working on different projects, making websites and blogs and stuff, but Every two weeks, I've got to come up with another, basically a documentary on a, on a hack or a person or something. And wow, that's, it's just like I'm moving at the speed of light here. Oh, yeah, that's got to be a bit overwhelming. Are you doing it all around a full-time job too? I, I quit my job a few months back and uh, this is finally, uh, finally paying the bills. So, Oh, good it's, for you. Yeah, congratulations. That's what we're hoping to get one day. Month it's, it's got there. Congratulations. Yeah, that's a big... That's a big achievement. Congratulations. That's got to make it a whole lot easier. I mean, for us, I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot easier because we don't, you know, we count on guys like you to fill the like content. We just sort of poke you along and talk shit. No, you guys got the chemistry and and you you got the hard hitting questions and all that. So you're good at what you do. What, um, what do you think about podcasting as, uh, as an effect on the culture current and future? Where do you think it's headed? It's interesting to to look at who's listening to podcasts. I think it's kind of a younger crowd. I can't get my dad to listen to any of them. And a lot of older people just have a tough time like putting headphones on and and sitting down and listening to it. They don't know what to do with their time when they listen to it and stuff. So it's it's definitely impacting like a younger generation or, or a middle generation, not even like the kids. They're not into it yet either. So teenagers aren't really into podcasts, listening to it so much. They're listening to music, I think. So there's this there's this middle ground. Kind of the millennials is uh, is really soaking it up, and and they're getting a lot out of it. I think 
you know, number one, they're listening to a lot of documentaries and stories about historical, you know, just history and, and learning and, and educating off that. And hopefully these people are telling them truth, you know, and <laughs> not leading them down crazy lies. But then, but then I think we, we, after school, we kind of lose track and to like our friends and stuff. And we don't get that, that chatter, that just banter of, of kind of what we're doing here, of just listening to people talk and to be kind of part of a conversation. And it's soothing to just tune in and, and listen to people talk. And I don't know that there's some self-help involved with just <laughs> letting it, letting the, the chatter go on. And that's a great point. Cause I, I remember chatting like in high school with friends, like we used to chat all the time, like we'd chat all the time and then you leave school. That's all we did is go move for out coffee and work. Night. And then when, you know, at work, you don't really have the same, same kind of thing to going on. So, and then now, yeah, this is, this is back to that. I remember just countless hours just sitting on the fucking curb in front of the post office talking shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do now on the podcast yeah. with people that are way smarter than us. Um, yeah, that's an interesting, I think I would agree with that. I would say our main demo is probably like the 25 to 35 range would be probably our sort of sweet spot. We got a couple of guys though that are like, Nikki, the dude's been around since like day one, episode one. And he's, you know, he's over 50 for sure. Yeah. It's not always. Exactly. My mom listens. Yeah. She said, yeah, my mom tried again. She's, All right. Yeah. She still gets upset at your swearing, but oh, she's, she, you know, she's tried it. Sorry, Mary. So is it, I wonder if you're like us where we have so many content ideas and so many guests now. And at first we thought, oh, you know, will we have enough? Will we, you know, be running out? That kind of thing. Do you end up with a backlog of uh, stories and, and uh, episodes that you want to do? Uh, this first year has been really rough. I've run, out of, I've run out of show ideas multiple times and had to whip something up in like two days. Mm-hmm. There's like a show fell through or, or something happened. I just couldn't get that one out. Um, so I just was really, I was having trouble with stories, but uh, in the last couple of months, I've got, I've got in the groove and I've got, I've got a log of stories. So if I was to interview someone today, it would probably be like two months from now that it would actually go out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm working on like three at a time now. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's more comfortable. At first it was really hard to, to get in that groove, Yeah. but Stories themselves are, are, there's a million good hacker stories out there. They're just all over the place. But I want to get to the center of it. I want to talk to the person who was there specifically and get their, their exact take on it. Because I think that's where the best part of the story is, is the person who was doing it or, or getting hacked or something. That's, that's the meat of it. If I can get that, then that's great. And that's where I have a tough time actually finding people who are there. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the tough part. Yeah, that's the investigative journalism part where you got to find like, that that actual guy yeah i could see that style is how yeah that's so you've got kind of yeah it's like harder i was just tweeting about this yesterday that it's easier for me to find a hacker who wants to talk about the hack they did than to find a person who's been hacked (laughs) talk about how they got hacked and i think it's mostly it's the corporate culture saying oh please don't talk to the press about you know this equifax breach or target breach or whatever because equifax is not talking to the press about this there's no way i could ever get them to Tell me, ah, what was it like when you first got hacked? What was, what was, what was your manager saying? What was that? Because those are the things that would be so great stories. A lot of NDAs, right? Probably. Yeah, an NDA. Like none of those people will ever be able to talk about it. But the hacker, oh yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what's on the thing or two. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We'll do a little. We'll do a little thing. Try and hack grab. 
Try and steal his identity a little bit. No, 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 no. I'm just going <laughs> to ask about identity, identity theft. If that works. And then just let me know. We'll have like a code. You can email me as Graham with a little code in there so I know it's you. And then we'll start really having some fun. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be fun. I could see how like, yeah, that style of show could be, you can kind of, because we find there's like a sweet spot where we can't be too many shows ahead either. We start to feel like people have been waiting two months for their episodes to come out. And I guess you have both those problems too, because you're interviewing people like, I don't know, are the people you interviewing, are they eager to hear them, the stories come out? I wonder if it's different when you're doing a journalism sort of thing. Yeah, the the younger I, the younger the person, the more eager they are to hear it. Like that, that one high schooler, he's just like, when is it coming? When is it coming? I'm like, dude, <laughs> so, um, I, I, I'm talking to this one 18 year old now and oh my gosh, it's, it's such a big story that I think it's going to have to be its own podcast. Like it's a six parter at least like how, how big, <laughs> how many parts do I do before I realize it's its own show. And, um, I've been working on this one for like four months now and it's interview them over and over and over because I, I just have to get so much out of them. Wow. And, Can you give us a sneak but, peek on the, on the gist of that one? Oh man. I don't even want to even get involved in that, but this guy's, this guy's life ever since eight years old has just been, insane like every year of his life has just been another massive traumatic experience and it's not even into hacking too much it's just uh his life it's just his life is just crazy so i'm like wow i have to say i have to document this somehow so uh, he's asking me all the time like when is it coming out i'm like dude it's the hardest thing i've ever worked on in my life you've got to give me like another three months wow the first draft out That'll be rewarding when it does come yeah. out. Have you ever had to, have you ever done an identity one, identity theft one, or is that something that you would get into? There's the IRS episode that I talk about how people use the IRS website to download someone else's tax returns and then file the next year's tax returns on their behalf to get the, whatever tax return is coming back to them. But wow. this, this fraudster, um, that's the closest I've done to about identity theft. Um, but yeah, that's I good. There, I kinda, I there's I so many think... different areas that I can cover, and I think that's yeah. definitely one I should get into. I don't know. That's a scary one. You probably should just leave that and not even open up that can. What about <laughs> what about life hacks? Are you like, does the hacker sort of mindset transition into everything, or do you have like any little life hacks you could share with us? Yeah, there's one guy I'm I'm talking to who I think I can get him to, to give me an episode, but he's uh he's really good at hacking airlines. To the point where he gets free travel all over the place and he'll do i don't know all the details but he'll do something like book this massive round trip ticket get enough free miles to get a free ticket somewhere cancel his round trip ticket get the money back and now he's got the free miles to go somewhere for free <laughs> wow so he'll do a ton of hacks like that and just travel all over the world for free um is his name chris by any chance <laughs> i don't know his real name <laughs> interesting um yeah so i think it does i think i think it does you know go into everything and that's where i think uh, my social engineering is is where i, I kind of probably got started with all this because i was realizing like there's no line over there there's nobody to stop me if i go through that door backwards you know and, and so what other what other things can i use the wrong way that can have a beneficial effect of some kind like in you know maybe Maybe when you when you get that ant farm, you get the ability to order ants in the mail to because the ant farm doesn't come with the ants. You gotta mail them in. But when I got 
my first ant farm, I realized, holy cow, I can send ants to anyone I want to. <laughs> and they're going to open it up. And now they've got a box of ants coming up. And so that's the way a hacker, I think, thinks is how do you, how do you take something and use it differently to get a completely different effect out of it? Uh, it's the, I don't know. Yeah, it definitely transcends in the, all, all other parts of the world. So how, like putting how coffee do you define, in your butthole. How do you define like the social engineering part for like, how is it that you define those acts of sort of hacking and skipping lines or finding your way in somewhere as, as social engineering? I mean, if there's like a, if there's security, if there's some sort of policy that says nobody should be allowed in this place without paying their ticket or yeah. being authorized to be here, um, then that's a challenge to me. I'm like, well, I'm going to find like six ways to get around that because that's just the way I first will think about it. And everywhere I go, I, I just think about, oh, I could, I could, I mean, you go into the bank and you're like, well, the, the door to get behind the bank is not even like a full door. It's like a half size door. I could just jump over that thing. And now I'm in behind the tellers. Like, why is this, why is this considered secure? And so you, you just think, I just think about all this all the time. So, I mean, that's what social engineering is. It's, it's hacking the human to, to get into a place or get some information um, that you wouldn't normally get. Sometimes it's just calling someone on the phone and, and getting them to disclose information that they probably shouldn't be giving, like a list of clients or phone numbers to people who you, they shouldn't be giving phone numbers to because you're, you're like, hey, look, I, I've, got, um, I've got this deadline. I need this thing. I work in marketing, but I don't have the number to the CEO and I need to call him tonight. Do you have this number or something? You know, oh, okay, yeah, I'll help yeah. you on this deadline. Huh. Even hacking your own brain. I think we're, yeah. I mean, so if, if you're these, active, you're constantly doing that, whether you're reading or learning or talking to people, you know, I guess you're not, that in a sense is hacking. So something that's popular now is security conferences. Uh, one of the most popular ones is DEF CON and it's a hacker conference where, I mean, you got people just like you can imagine a hacker conference, but a lot of people are wearing Mohawks and all black clothing. Everyone's wearing black hoodies. It's, it's, it's very hackerish, right? And, and in there, you see things like biohacking and medical device hacking and every kind of hacking you can imagine, hacking the brain, hacking your sleep patterns, hacking your bank account, like hacking as much as you can. Uh, and it's really scary. So it definitely uh, it carries over in everything you can think about hacking. I was, I was listening to, uh, I think it was an entrepreneur on fire. What's his name? Dumas. Saying the doctor he had on was talking about how just changing the, if you change from like the fat intake, because I guess your brain is like 30% fat. So if you just take your fat intake from like uh, uh, whatever, corn oil and all that sort of stuff and start switching it over to your healthy fats, it's like in three months it completely switches over and it's like losing an entire layer of fog. But he wrote a whole book on just how you can micro you can micro tune your brain into this guy was like semi, semi autistic. Actually, I don't know if he was semi autistic. I shouldn't say that he was in, he was, he was in uh special education uh, because he just couldn't keep up. He couldn't do anything. He finally gets with this one doctor and they start changing up his diet and he ends up on the Dean's list for the entire country, like six years later or eight years later or something like that. And now he's one of the best doctors in the country. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's hacking, hacking yeah. your brain. Yeah. 
Remember when you were used to hack stuff before you just started letting everything slide? So have you hacked your podcast to the top charts yet? <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've listened to a lot of J- John Lee Dumas myself and, and done a lot of marketing to get my podcast up there, but it, I, I didn't, I didn't pay those marketers to fake my way up. No, I'd... that's good. That's interesting. I bet you we've listened to a lot of the same podcasts because I, I handle sort of that end of things here. So yeah, Pat yeah. Flynn, uh, Tim Ferriss, Gary I, Vaynerchuk. I used to like uh, Ray Ortega back in the day before he gave it up. That was the first one I listened to was Ray Ortega. I haven't checked his out yet. Yeah, he was he was, he had the podcasters studio. Oh yeah. And then there was the Audacity to Podcast with Daniel yeah. J. Lewis. And he actually yeah. still offers that service for checking all your he'll he'll pull all your reviews from across all the iTunes countries and email them to you. Yeah, he's great. He taught me a lot. It all seems to be U.S. anyway, though. So I suppose before we uh, before we start wrapping up here, do you have any like tips for our audience on what they should and shouldn't be doing? I I, I just want to say that the your phone number isn't as secure as you think. Um, give you a scenario here: if you if you boast on Twitter, oh man, I, I'm doing great in Bitcoin. And then that's your real name in Twitter somehow. And people were able to like reverse engineer your name to get your phone number because maybe your phone number's on Facebook or something. Uh, there's a thing called SIM swapping, which will allow someone to um, call the phone company basically and say, hey, I got a new phone. Can you please port my mm-hmm. um, number to this SIM card? And now with that, your phone number being on someone else's phone, think about how all the things they have access to. They can, they can log into your Google by saying, yeah, text me the the code or, um, you know, like they, they have so many extra access, layers of access because they have your phone number and they actually have access to your phone. You know, so like, be, because, because like, because they've actually got the SIM switched over. So they actually have access to your iCloud yeah. then maybe. Even? Can you get, you start getting your texts and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, your so don't phone put number- your phone number online. Yeah, but a lot of these websites are asking for it now. They're I was just about to put to this. Put, I was going to put this phone number night. online today. I yeah. did this. I was going to make this cell phone the Grimerica call in line. Should I not do that? No, I maybe. would get a Google Voice number and use that number instead. Oh, the Google Voice doesn't work. You can't so even well. call it with Skype. With Skype. Yeah. It just you know, it's just like. But uh, in retrospect, I don't use this phone number for anything in my regular life. Oh, okay. Um, or any of my like online security stuff. That's all the other phone number. You you remember like 10, 15 years ago, our, our social security number was like private and personal and you just don't share it because somebody could use that to steal your identity. Well, now it's kind of like you should treat your phone number like that. Do not give it out freely. And I don't know. It's, it's just, it's something I'm still kind of coping with. And it's just kind of one of those eye openers. Like Jeez. it's important to protect your phone number. So what are the and what about all these sites even. that are requiring it now? Like if you buy something online, they they a lot of them are asking for your phone number now. Yeah, exactly. And and so if somebody gets access to your number, then they can get into all those accounts. That's the scary part about it all. Jeez. So what do you think about the singularity and and you know this uh I can the even technocracy log into your that we're living in I, I, Apple ID. Yeah, I, I know. Don't I've, I've got you. Yeah. <laughs> I got your credit card number. Oh man, I could just ruin your life. Jack, we got to talk. Offline. So what about like the future of uh, the technocracy and, and how close we're getting to 
you know, combining technology with consciousness and all that. And how, how does hack, like, I mean, hacking in, in that environment seems pretty scary too. I mean, what are your thoughts on the future of uh, computer tech and consciousness and all that? Oh man. I know it's I a big question, but yeah, I mean, I, I find it fascinating to see like the kind of the progress of like compass and just directions. Right. So at first it was like, Oh, I know my way there. I don't need a compass. And then, you know, there was like advanced sailors that are like, Nope, I'm relying on my compass to get me there. And then it was like, okay, let's have a GPS in our car. And other people are like, no, I'm going to memorize my way to get there. I'm not going to rely on a GPS. I want to know how to get there. But then we become so reliant on this GPS that we forget everything, how to get everywhere. And I think that's kind of a, a peek into that future of like, man, I don't know your number. I don't know your phone number. I don't know where you live. Everything that I need to know about that is stored on this device. It knows where you live. It knows your phone number. I'm just going to rely on that every time. And as, I don't know, do is it that we're offloading this kind of information to allow us to absorb more? Or do we lose something tangible about taking that away from our, our memory? And yeah, I don't know. It's, I think that's a kind of a peak. And another, another peak I think into it would be, the, I think when I'm going to become an old man will be when the input of all these devices is no longer a keyboard or mouse or even a touch screen. And it's going to be like, a Twitter of your ear, you know, move your ear or, or tap your teeth or, or just think the thought. And that's how you text someone. And I'm going to be like, no, I need a keyboard. I will not budge off this. I need to be able to input like keyed commands. I'm not going to just like twist my wrist in a way to, to interact with things. So that when, or, or I'm not just going to think about fucking, that. You're going to get a port put in. Yeah. I'm not going to think about that. I want to type it out first. Can you imagine they just hook it up? Yeah, man, they hooked that thing up to my, I didn't even know. I, I can't even tell you what it's going to say. Well, we're there already because of the, the Echo Dot or the, the, you know, the home. I don't have any of these things. I don't even know what they're called, but like all the voice command. Alexa, Alexa. and all those. Yeah. yeah. I smashed so not, our Google one because it, weird shit started happening whenever it was on. Yeah. It's freaky. So it doesn't have a keyboard. I'm not tolerating this. I can't, I mean, it's, it's freaky for other reasons, but that's my old man in me of like, I can't just tell a computer what to do that. I just don't trust it. I don't, it's, it's going to like mess up everything I say. And it's just not accurate. Like, and, and that's what's, that's what kind of freaks me out about the future a little is, is this lack of being able to input things correctly. It's guessing. Do you think professor wow. Ted maybe had it right then? What's he say? Uh, he wrote the Unabomber Manifesto. Oh, man. What are you reading that for? <laughs> we, read it, we read it as part of our backdoor content here for our supporters because it's just like he wrote the thing in the 90s and he's just like, his take on it is that, you know, it doesn't matter what government's in charge or anything like that. That is the, the, inevitable, so the inevitable end of this technology is um, the autonomy of humans becoming less and less and less and less. And he talks about over-socialization and, you know, and this is way before Facebook and MySpace and stuff like that. It, it's, it's unbelievable. He kind of predicted our technological climate right now. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, huh? it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. It's, it's kind of creepy listening to it. I actually, I would have had the same answer as you a couple of years ago. And then, you know, I heard it come up on a couple of shows enough times. So I just read it, you know, you can read it in a, in a couple of hours. And it's just like, holy fuck. I mean, yeah. some of it is a little over the top, obviously, but it's, I mean, some of it is just like pretty, pretty, pretty on point for, you know, almost 30 years ago. Yeah, it's scary. 
it is kind of scary because if it keeps going the way he says it's going, then we end up in the matrix or some shit. What's your take on AI before we wrap up? On what? Uh, AI. Um, I, I'm excited about self-driving cars. Really? Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to just sit there and like, not the, where they're at now where it's like, you have to hold on to the wheel, but like where it's more safe than, than more than drivers on the road. And it's, you know, really good. Um, so like six generations from now, <laughs> but I, I'm excited about that. I, I'm excited about just freeing up more time. I, I'm, I'm a time hacker. I want to find a way to be, to have more time in my life and I'll shortcut things in order to have more time. And that thing I'm excited about just for that. That's why you like podcasts. Cause you can do a million things while you're listening to something. Yeah. No, I think you got ready. You're number one fucking time hog. So congratulations on that. <laughs> Working for a living seems to demand the most of my time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we should let you go, Jack. We really appreciate the time, if that's your real name. What, what do you got? Let's let's hear about what you got coming up, though, first, before we let you go. Yeah. Like, what's your Is next, what's your next couple Is there one more this out? year? What was the date on the last one? Um, I had one that came out uh, three days ago, I think, and it was all about the, uh, the NSA oh. of Israel. Oh, I love that app. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The training, um, so, the training of the Israelis in there. Was there any blowback on that? It seems like anytime you bring up Israel, you get shit. <laughs> yeah, I had I had some people that were saying I wasn't representing it. I was a puppet for their propaganda. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. which um, which is really hard to research something really deep and and not. I don't. It's, I got swept up in it. I I agree. I I did puppet some of it, but um, but the next episode, this was setting up. Okay, so the setup for the next episode is all about Stuxnet which is where the NSA and Israel hacked into Iran. And then after that is the episode where Iran hacks back. Oh, wow. Bum, bum, bum. When are you going to do the, uh, everybody wants to know when you're going to do the 2016 election hacking. <laughs> that one is tough. That one is hacking the minds. It's not really, it's not, it's less of the machines and more of the minds. The wow. culture has been hacked. I uh, think that's comment enough. It looks like the, the Russians were able to run everything with a hundred grand. So we're going to save up a hundred grand and we're going to rule the fucking world. <laughs> well, they're going to ruin it. I don't know if they're going to rule it. Well, that's why we got to get, that's why we got to band up with our podcast and we'll get the hundred grand together and we'll just bypass everything. That's it. No more taxes. <laughs> anyway, Jack, welcome to the show. Come back anytime. And uh, yeah, it's always fun to talk to another podcaster that knows the trials and tribulations of trying to get a show out weekly or bi-weekly in your case. Yeah, this was really fun. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah, thanks, man. Keep up the good work. It's awesome. Merry right, Christmas. Okay. Are you still allowed to say that in America? Yeah. Merry Christmas. Okay, Jack. Bye for now. All right, bye. Oh, how do I do this now? I always fuck this up. Oh, and that was our chat with Jack Resider. What do you think? I can't wait till the next episode now. Yeah, it's good. Good work. Yeah. It puts a lot of work into it. I could it see that. Deep. And it's fascinating because it's, man, it's internet hacking. Like, oh, I yeah. think he's really, hit a, he's really hit a niche here and he's got a head start on anyone who wants to do this kind of work, I think. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. great. And they're like the right length, too. Oh. You know, they're like the perfect length where they don't go too long. Oh, I want to ask him more about the dark web and the and the Silk Road type stuff and all that. Like... Because after why that you, episode, why are you, so, why are you always that? so interested in the dark web, Graham? 
I'm not. What do you want to buy? We never, we never talk what about it What do you want to buy that you can't buy on the regular internet? Nothing. No, nothing. No. Nothing. Amazon satisfies my needs. True. Um, no, but after that episode that he, he, he talked about the takedown of um, Alpha Bay, I feel like it did scatter scatter everything all over the place. You know, there's no longer this one place to go for all that stuff. So I do think it's changed quite a bit. I mean, we should have got into that a little bit. Anyways. We don't, I don't, yeah. That would have been the guy to do it with, for yeah. sure. Well, maybe we could do another show down the road yeah. just all about the dark Cause web. Because, really I mean, got, I don't know fuck really all about that. the dark yeah. web. But anyway, dark web diaries, de- or dark web diaries, dark net, dark net diaries, definitely worth checking out. It's uh, snuck its way up my list. A little higher every episode so far. So check it out. Um while you're on the internet, checking stuff out, check out grimmarker.ca slash support. Sign up for a month there on the PayPal. Don't like PayPal, that's fine, we get it. Head over to grimmarker.ca slash Stripe. Sign up for a Stripe monthly if you can. Um, both of those have one-time donation options as well. And all of that helps us pay the bills and helps us hopefully uh, keep the heat on in the new space when we move in in a couple weeks. By the time this episode comes out, we'll be in the new, uh, yeah, we'll be in the new space when this comes out. So now we've got Ren coming up. Support the show really does help. It, it just, you know, you'd be surprised how much better you feel after you hit that subscribe button. Prove me wrong. Because it really helps us. It really does. Prove me wrong. All right, guys. We couldn't do it without you, especially you. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week.
Swell.